parable of the ten talents, and it's very easy to confuse the two. They're not the same, different occasions. They've got different meanings behind them as well, different occasions, different purposes. Uh, they're different stories entirely, all right? Uh, <clears throat> but uh, this story that we're going to look at now, just clue into it because it's for you and I. It's talking to you and I, right? Luke 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now, Luke includes for us the purpose of the parable. He tells us what the purpose of the parable is. The purpose of the parable here is because he was near Jerusalem, right? So he's in Jericho still. He's on his way to Jerusalem. The next message we look at next Sunday is going to be the triumphal entry. Right? And everybody is thinking, oh my goodness, he's, he's, he's going to do it now. He's the Messiah. He's going to do it now. He's going to institute the kingdom. He's going to raise an army. Uh, great things are ahead. So Jesus gives them a parable to show them, no, that's not what's going to happen. Right? Now, they don't get it. A lot of the stuff Jesus tells them, they don't get. But what happens is afterwards they go, oh, but you know what he said? Right? <clears throat> And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants, and he delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to be called unto him, and to, who, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well done, well, thou good and faithful, uh, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities." And the second came, saying, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou laidst not down, and thou reapest that thou did not, didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant." Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not my money unto the bank, that at thy coming I might have required mine own with usury? Usury, by the way, there is interest. All right? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto everyone that hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over him, bring them hither and slay them before me. Now let me give you uh, who, who we're talking about. Right. First of all, the nobleman uh, is actually Jesus. He's going to go into a far country to receive a kingdom, and then he's going to return again. They don't get that. They don't, they don't understand that. You and I look back to the cross, and we look back to what happened, and we understand that you know, Jesus was going to ascend into heaven after the crucifixion, and he's coming back again. We understand that. That's all in Scripture for us. But they're not getting that. 
They're living on the edge, waiting any moment for him to declare the kingdom, to raise an army, and to defeat Rome. And um, they're, they're living, waiting for that. And so, so they don't understand. So this nobleman is Jesus, right? <clears throat> the going away to receive a kingdom is Jesus returning to heaven and coming again. The servants in this story are believers, you and I. Right, that's who he's talking about. They're, they're believers, you and I. Uh, those that reject the kingdom are the Jews and anyone after that who says no to Jesus. And the, the minas or the pounds uh, are the, the gospel, our money, our talents, everything that we have to serve in the kingdom. I know, don't, don't worry if you don't get it all right now. You'll kind of get it as, as we go along, as we understand it. Where are we in the story now? Last week we looked at uh, Zacchaeus. Right? And Zacchaeus uh, has declared himself for God. He has become a believer. And um, Jesus has commanded him for it. And we think he's still in the, in, at dinner in Zacchaeus' house now. So he's still at dinner in Zacchaeus' house. And um, what he's doing is he's giving them this parable to help them to understand what's going to happen. You see, Zacchaeus has risked everything for Jesus. He has committed social, political, and financial suicide. Remember, socially, he's outcast now because I tell you what, he's, he, he's one, of the, uh, you know, one of the top people in Jericho. But now he's aligned himself with Jesus. Right? Politically, he's well connected. He's connected to Rome. Again, because he's connected himself to this guy, he's, you know, he's out. And financially, remember, he devastated his finances by giving away. Uh, you know, half of it, and then restoring fourfold anything he had taken from anybody. So, so he's broke, or close to broke at this stage. So, so he sacrificed everything. He's given, given everything. And remember, <clears throat> the disciples are all about rewards, right? Now, don't judge them for that. God made you and I, and he made us with rewards in us. We want to be rewarded. We, we want to be in the place. We'd like to think that we're so good and we're, and we're so generous and we're so giving in our spirits that we're going to serve God because, listen, we're that kind of people. You're not that great. Okay? And God knew it. So he has put rewards in you. By the way, remember this when you're working with your kids, right? You can be the harsh parent that makes them do what they're supposed to do all the time. But if you actually go back to how God does it, God says, now listen, there's a reward if you do the right thing, and there's a punishment if you do the wrong thing. But there's always that reward. Sometimes kids are just get lost because there's no reward involved in the situation. There needs to be a reward involved in it, right? And so God wants you to know that there's, there's a reward, and um, the disciples were looking for a reward, and you should be looking for a reward. Now, what kind of reward are you looking for? Why are you looking for a Rolls Royce, are you? <laughs> Um, what kind of a reward are you looking for? Well, you're looking for an eternal reward. Because remember, you're passing through this life. It's very short. It seems real long, you know, when you start off. You know, when you're a kid, you can't wait to be, be 11. <clears throat> but then you get to be 11, and all of a sudden you're 20, and all of a sudden you're 40, and all of a sudden you're 60. And, you know, it just, it just rolls very quickly. But remember that when you're finished in this world, you're going into eternity, which is forever and ever and ever. Right? And you've got to remember, this life is short, eternity is long, and the rewards that count are not the rewards of this life. 
What you need in this life is you need what, what you need to get you through. But the rewards that count are not, don't belong in this life at all. The rewards that count are in heaven. Now, the whole purpose of this story that Jesus is telling is he wants these guys to recognize, first of all, that he's not going to set up the kingdom now. They're not going to get their reward. Remember, the disciples are thinking, 12 tribes, 12 thrones, and he told us, we're going to sit in 12 thrones with them. So they, they are just waiting for him. And they're, come on, come on, bring it on. <clears throat> you know, we want to sit in our thrones. We, we want everybody to recognize us as being the, uh, the in people. They're not getting that now, is what he's saying, right? But what he's doing is, he's going to give them a test. And... The reward that they get in eternity is going to be based on the test. So the test is this. The test is, listen, I've given you something. I want you to serve me with it. And when I come back, give account to yourself, and I will give you a reward. I will give you something that counts. All right? So that's what, that's what we're looking at, right? So... Uh, <clears throat> The purpose of the parable uh, is, is simple. It's straightforward. They expected that the kingdom was going to appear immediately, and Jesus is saying, no, it's not going to appear immediately. <clears throat> now, um, the Messiah's whole purpose was to bring in the kingdom. That's what he came for. He came to bring in the kingdom. And as you look at the Old Testament, it's easy for us to say, yeah, but the, uh, but the second coming is in the Old Testament, and it is. But when you were, if you were in, living in Old Testament times, you wouldn't have seen the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. All you would have seen on the, uh, in the prophecy would, would, would be the fact that he's coming and he's going to set up a kingdom and we're going to be the key people in that kingdom. That's all you would have seen. right? So they're expecting that Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. And remember, the triumphal entry, we'll look at it next week, is he goes into uh, <coughs> Jerusalem riding on a colt on the foal uh, and, 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 and he goes in and they cast all the branches in front of him and they say, Hosanna. Hail to the king, because they realize, you know, he is the king. But he's not going to take the kingdom yet. And he needs them to understand, because they're going to be disappointed. People are going to be disappointed uh, in Jesus. Part of the reason why Judas betrayed him is because he was disappointed in him. He's, he's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to take over. He's supposed to put the, the Romans to flight, and he's not. And things are looking pretty bad. He's going down. I'm not going down with him. I'm going to get something out of this. So part of the reason was that he just, it wasn't going to happen the way he expected it to happen. And for a lot of people, the crucifixion was just mind-blowing. But he's the king. Isn't he going to take over? And the apostles are expecting to, see, to, to, to sit on 12 thrones. In fact, even after the crucifixion, and they get their heads around the fact that he's been crucified, in Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, they say this. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Or is it now? Okay, so it wasn't, it wasn't on, the, on the day of the triumphal entry, but is it now, Lord? Will you restore the kingdom? Now, Jesus is the master teacher, and he knows what's in their hearts, and he's teaching them. He's saying, guys, not now. Now, they don't get it. They don't understand it. And he doesn't take and force it on them. Do you ever have somebody force something they were trying to teach you on you, and you kind of freeze, and you can't take anything in, and you can't actually listen to them at all? Jesus doesn't do that. He knows what they need. He's 
teaching them, but he's letting it sink in. He's, he's never forceful with them. <clears throat> he, they're not ready for it. By the way, Jesus teaches you and I like that too. We, we want to we get people and make them learn stuff right now, don't we? You should know this. Let me, let me teach you this. But Jesus, through his spirit, teaches people step by step and shows them what they need to know and helps them come to the place of persuasion. That's why Christian growth, growth to maturity in the, as a believer, is so different for people. Some people, you know, just streak ahead, don't they? And some people seem to lag behind. And what happens is as they're ready, the Holy Spirit is teaching them. He's helping them. He's moving them ahead. Well, that's what Jesus is doing now. I mean, he's been telling them for, for months that he's going to die. They don't get it. Folks, if that was me, I, I, I'd have been saying, listen, guys, sit down here. I, I want to talk to you. I am going to die. Do you not understand that? I'm going to, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. I, I, I'd have wanted them to know that. But he's teaching them. He's planting seed that's going to grow up and they're going to understand. By the way, the teaching of Jesus amongst the disciples was absolutely effective. Because remember that after he was gone, all of it came to be. And they actually put forth the teachings and the kingdom. As far as people getting saved and, and the gospel going forth, all happened. He got it right, in other words. All right? Okay, so the purpose of the thing is to, because they expect him to become king, and he's not doing it, not right now, right? So he gives them a test, right? So the test is a mina. Now, our translators translated the mina into a pound, because in the 1600s, a pound was a lot of money. How many of you remember pounds, even? (laughs) A good number of you remember pounds. I I, I remember pounds. Uh, right? and, uh, but by the time pounds came around in my, in my lifetime, it wasn't a lot of money. Right? A mina was a hundred days' wages for a worker. Right? A general worker earned a hundred. So we say the average income in Ireland is 35000 a year. Then uh, a mina would be equal to roughly ten grand. Now, it's not an enormous sum, but it's not an insignificant sum either. It's, it's quite a bit of money. So you need to get that in your head. Uh, that he, he gave them quite a bit of money, uh, and he gave it to them as a test. Right? Uh, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to see for himself a kingdom and to return, and he called his ten servants, and he delivered unto them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, the word occupy there means basically trade. You're to trade till I come. So you're given, you're one of those servants, you're given 10 grand, and you're told to go out now and trade with that and make more for me with that. Now, let me say, first of all, it's not about money. This nobleman is going to receive a kingdom. He's going to receive millions. It's not about money. He's not, he's not worried about the money involved. What it is is it's a test of faithfulness. I'm going away, I'm going to receive my kingdom, and when I come back, I'm going to call you to account, and I'm going to see if you've been faithful and obedient in what I asked you to do. That's what it is. It's a test to see, will they be faithful? Will they actually do what he has called them to do? Right Now, so how does that apply to us? Well, Jesus left 2,000 years ago, and he said, I'm coming back, but I'm giving you some things I want you to do in the meantime. I'm giving you some gifts. 
I've given you some uh, things of value. I've given you the gospel. I've given you a whole bunch of stuff. And I want you to serve me in the meantime. Because when I come back, I'm going to ask you what you did with them. I'm going to ask you, how did you handle that which I entrusted to you? Right? Now, the, the ten grand that, that this nobleman gave to his servants, he didn't give it to them for their own. They couldn't do what they liked with it. He gave it to them for a purpose. They were to serve him. They were to trade with it. He gave them parameters, things he wanted them to do with it. Now, God's given you and I a lot, hasn't he? God has given us a lot. We have a lot. I mean, we've got the gospel. We know we're going to heaven. <clears throat> you know, we've got his word. We've got blessings in our lives. We're kind of like, I mean, if you, if you have to start, if you, if you were to sit down and start doing a list of all the blessings in your life, you've got a lot. Now, here's the question. Are they yours or are they his? That's kind of foundational to this whole thing. You've got to come to the place where you understand. No, it's not mine. It's his. Everything I own is given to me by him. You know, in fact, I don't own it. It's his. Now, what he says to me is this. I want you to use it for my kingdom, Dave. Right? So, how are we doing? What are you doing uh, for his kingdom? What are you doing to move things forward for God? We, we tend to kind of think this life is mine. I'm going to live it and do my own thing. I'm going to live it and I'm going to actually run it my way and do what I want to do. Don't we tend to feel that way about it? You know, my life, that, that, that's the, the, the cry of our age. It's my life. I'll do what I like with it. But God says, no, I, I, I want you to live and serve me with your life. So how are you doing as far as that is concerned? You see, the point of the exercise of Jesus leaving you and I behind is he wants to test us as the ever faithful servants. He could have taken us all with him. But you see, the earth, the life you're living now, is not about now. The life that you're living now is just preparation for eternity. Right? Kids are going to do their exams pretty soon here, the um, leaving cert and the junior cert and whatever else they're, that they're going to do. And, you know, it gets to be so much a focus for kids, isn't it? The, the, you know, get, getting the right grades and so on and being able to go into college or whatever it is, it is that they want to do. It gets to be huge in their minds. But here's the thing. After a few years, you realize, you know what? The exams are not about the exams. The exams are about what they set me free to do later on. And sometimes, you know, we go past that stage in our lives and we look back and we think, oh, I should have paid more attention to that. Because you know what? <clears throat> now, I'm, now I'm kind of limited because I didn't bother back then. Right? Now, here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to serve me with all that I've given you now, faithfully, and when I come back, I'll reward you. I want you to give yourself to me now so that when it's all done and I come back, I'll reward you. Now, 
the rewards in, the, in this are interesting, right? So the guy takes the ten pound, the one pound, and he makes ten other pounds with it, right? And uh, so, so what does the master do? He gives him, gives him, makes him ruler over ten cities. Now, here's what you, here's what I see in scripture, right? That somehow our service now results in rewards that allow us to lead and rule in eternity. Now, I don't know how it all works out. The, the scripture doesn't give it, make it all clear to us. But somehow, it gives me possibilities in eternity. And remember, that's forever and ever and ever. So what I'm doing today, what you're doing today, is not just about today. You're going to go to work in the morning and work. And listen, you need to work and put food on the table. But if that's the sole end of it, what's happening for you is you're, you're selling yourself short. What you're doing is you're living for now. And God says, I've got a much bigger picture in here, here for you. I, I want you to live with eternity in mind. So what would that mean? That would mean you not focusing on what you've got as being yours but rather focusing on it as being his, and how can I serve him best with what I've got? That would, that would be what would go through your head, right? <clears throat> now, uh, they were obedient and they were faithful. Now, why were they obedient and they were faithful? Because they did what they were told. Isn't that right? That's all they did. I mean, he said, here, here you go. Uh, <clears throat> you know, here's 10K. Uh, I want you to go and trade with it and um, <clears throat> come back to me when you've done. Well, they said, okay. And they went and they traded. They went down to the marketplace. They traded. They bought chickens. They sold chickens. They, they did, I don't know what they traded in. Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't have a stock market back then. But they, they traded back and forth and the, uh, <clears throat> with the money. Uh, they were diligent in their business. They were faithful. And they made money for him. Right? <clears throat> and Now, I, I do think this. I think that even if they had failed to make money, they would have been okay. Because they traded. They did what was best. They, they were out there and they were doing it. Because here's what I think. I don't think you and I have to achieve great things for God. I think we have to serve him with what we've got. And we've all got different stuff. We've all got different. Every one of us here has got different abilities. Every one of us here has got things that we can do for God. And God says, I want you to serve it. For you. you don't have to do what I've got to do. I don't have to do what you've got to do. And it's not going to be that, you know, because uh, I serve God as a pastor, that means I'm, I'm, I, I, I get a greater reward. No. If I serve God faithfully with my gifts, then I get rewarded accordingly. If you serve God faithfully with your gifts, you get rewarded accordingly. <clears throat> and, and, and that's the thing to keep in mind. It's not kind of like, you see, we have hierarchies in our own minds. There's not a hierarchy here. The hierarchy is simply this. You are serving, you are doing what God wants you to do. It's as simple as that. And if you do that, you're going to find uh, <clears throat> that God is going to take care of you. The point for us is that what you are doing now, what are you doing now with what God has given you? You will be rewarded in heaven based on that. <clears throat> Listen, you just take and you serve God as best you can with what you've got. And there's a reward in heaven for that. One day you're going to be very happy that you did. All right, now, one servant didn't. 
right? But a citizen's hated, and I will talk about that verse in a minute, right? And sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, uh, whom he had given his money, and that he might know <clears throat> what they had done, right? And another came and said in verse 20, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Uh, for I feared thee, thou art... For thou art an austere man, thou takest up that which thou laidst not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. So he said, look, here's your pound. Here's your 10K. I was afraid of you. I was afraid that, you know, if anything happened and I lost some of it, you know, I'd be in trouble with you. So, so here it is back. I, I, I just kept it, you know, in the, in the back drawer in the kitchen where nobody knew it was there, uh, inside a cloth, and, and now here it is back. So what do you think the, the, the Lord is going to say to him? What do you think his master is going to say to him? Right. And he said unto, them, out of, unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking that up that which I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not my money unto the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. Um, and he said unto them that stood by Take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. All right, so this guy was terrified, right? So uh, he's, he's afraid uh, of the master. And what he's done is he's kept the money. And so the master says to him, you're a wicked servant. Now, why is he wicked? What's he done wrong? He did nothing. He did nothing. He just took it, hid it. And carried on living, he did absolutely nothing with it. And so his master's very upset with him. In fact, he says, take, take what he has and give it, give it to the other guy. The guy has ten. And they're going to say to him, but, but Lord, he's, he's, he's got ten. You're going to take the one off this guy and give it to him? And he says, yeah. And that gives us a principle here as well. For I say unto you that everyone... Say that unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. Now remember, his problem was that he didn't try. He didn't do anything with it. He sat on it, didn't he? He just hid it and carried on about his own business. He, he, you know, he didn't do anything with his own. Now, <clears throat> why? Well, he tells us because he was afraid. Because he was afraid. He was afraid. He expected the master. The master would expect him to have done something with it. And if he lost it, he'd be in big trouble. Now, here's what I think. I think if he, if he tried and lost it, he'd have been okay. Now, I can't, the Bible doesn't say that, so I can't tell you that for sure. But I think if he tried and failed, he would have been okay. But the thing is, he didn't even try. He did nothing. He acted like he hadn't got the 10K. He acted like he hadn't got that money at all. He did nothing for his master. Right? Now, notice this. He's not thrown out of the kingdom. By the way, that's the difference between the two stories, the talents. That's a different one altogether, right? He's not thrown out of the kingdom. He's a believer. He suffers loss, though. What's the loss? What he has is taken from him and given to somebody else. Right? Um, not because he failed, not because he got it wrong, but because he sat on it. He didn't do his master's will. It wasn't important to him. Now listen. Christianity 
is a glorious thing. What God has done for us in salvation is a wonderful thing. But you don't sit on it. You don't just take it for your own, shove it in your back pocket, and live your life like it's yours, and like what he's asked of you doesn't count. If you do, you can expect to be the loser. Now, how is that going to come about? There's two judgment seats. We're all going to stand before God. There's the great white throne judgment, and nobody who's a believer is going to stand before the great white throne judgment. The great white throne, ju- great white throne judgment is for those uh, who have rejected Christ, and they're going to be cast into hell. There's a second judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, in the judgment seat of Christ, it's a reward service. If you've ever been to uh, a school um, award service at the end of the year or a, or a college award service, what happens is all these people go up on the platform and they receive um, their, their, you know, their, their degrees, they receive honors, they receive whatever it is that, that they've earned, uh, they, they receive those things, right? Kind of exciting nights for, uh, in people's lives. But you know, every award service has people in the audience that don't get one. Now why don't they get one? Because they didn't do what was required. Maybe they started, but didn't finish. But, but they didn't do what was required. They weren't faithful, so they didn't get something. Now, here's the thing. If you're walking up there on that platform and you're getting your degree or you're getting an honor on your shoulder or whatever it is that you're getting, you know, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're feeling, that's a good day, isn't it? But if you're standing in the audience, here's what you're thinking. Why wasn't I faithful? Why didn't I do what I was supposed to do? Why didn't I actually earn, earn rewards? Because those people walking across the platform, they've earned liberties for the future, haven't they? Because that degree opens doors for them. That degree makes it possible for them to do other things. Here's the thing. When you and I die, and we ultimately stand before the Lord, in the great, in, not in the great white throne judgment, in the, in the judgment seat of Christ for believers, you want to be walking across that platform. You want to be getting rewards. Now, I think we're a little bit removed from this whole idea in our minds. And apart from that, somehow we imbibe this spiritual notion that, no, we're just going to be spiritual till the end. and We're not going to think of rewards because that would be carnal. We're just going to do it for God. We're not that good. We're just not that good. And God wants you to know I am a rewarder. I will reward you. I will bless you in eternity. But what you're doing today is what I'm going to bless you for. Now, if you're a believer, you're going to heaven. You're going to step into his presence in that day. Uh, There's nothing that stops that uh, because you're his child. But do you really want to go empty-handed? Or do you want to step into his presence having done all that you possibly could with what he gave you in this life. Listen, in that day, it's too late. In that day, it's over. You and I have to get an eternal, a heavenly mindset so that we look forward and think, no, hang on a minute, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and I want my life to count. Now you say, oh, that sounds very complicated, Pastor. I don't, I, I'm not sure I'm up for it. I'm just. Isn't that what we say? I'm just. No, hang on a minute. Listen, it's simply a matter of you and I 
doing his will with what we've got. You and I taking and deciding, okay, Lord, I want to serve you. You just show me. You don't have to dream up the plan. He's got the plan. You don't have to have the capital. It's his capital. You just need to be faithful in doing what he's put before you to do. That's all you need. And if you do that, when you step out of this world and everything in this world becomes really a blank, except what you've done for him. Let me give you an illustration of it. Some of you have read Heinz Feet on High Places, right? Much Afraid is the central character uh, in Heinz Feet on High Places. And she has a very interesting way uh, of talking about this idea. Uh, Much Afraid goes through, uh, she decides she wants to go to the high places with the shepherd. so, So she sets off on her path. And as she sets off on her path, she finds all these obstacles and difficulties and problems and, and, and hard things that she's got to go through. At one stage, he leads her away from the high places. She can see where she's supposed to be going, but he sends her in the opposite direction. And she's feeling, oh, man, that's not, that's not good. That's not fair. I mean, I, I, I want to go there. So, so she goes. She, she, she finally surrenders, and she goes. And eventually... She finds a flower, and the flower, she asks the flower what its name, right? It's, it's an, uh, symbolic, right? She asks the flower what its name is, and the name of the flower is acceptance with joy. And so she realizes that's what she needs to do. She needs to accept what the shepherd, Jesus, has asked of her with joy. So she does. And at the end of every one of the trials, she builds a little altar, And um, she puts her sacrifice, right, her sacrifice of her will, what she wanted, on it. And it's burned up and there's a little gemstone left. And she takes the gemstone and she puts it in a bag. Here's what's happening in your life and in my life. The shepherd is leading us to the high places. He's walking us along our lives. There's all these obstacles. There's all these times when much afraid would get bent out of shape. And she would, oh, listen, she didn't want what the shepherd was doing. She would be all excited and teary and everything else. And finally, she would come to that place of surrender. She would yield to him and let him have his way. And what she would get is she would get a gemstone. Is that a familiar story to you? Have you been in that place where God has tested you? And he's put you through something and you've come through the other end of it and you felt, oh, you felt like you couldn't do it. And yet you came through it and you surrendered and you said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. You know what you've done? You've earned rewards in heaven. God asks something of you. You're not able to do it. And you lean on him and you surrender to him and and he, he works it out in your life. Listen, what you're doing is you're earning rewards in heaven. Now understand that, because those things are important. They're not pointless. God doesn't put his children through pointless things. But remember, he's got an eternal purpose for what you're going through now. And he says, I want you to walk with me in it. I want you to surrender to me. I want you to yield to me in it. I'll bring you through it. And there will be a reward. Now, don't lose sight of the reward because, you know, it gets very pointless, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, you, you went to school at some stage and if you had a, an end goal in mind, you know what? It wasn't too bad. But if you hadn't got an end goal in mind, it was hard. 
You, you, you've been to the dentist. How many of you really love somebody with metal objects poking around in your mouth? Absolutely nobody. Why did you go to the dentist? Because I had an object and man, I had a pain. I wanted the pain fixed. The pain was worse than my fear uh, of the guy with the metal pieces in my mouth. So I went, I went to the dentist. We're used to this. We save up to buy something. Because the, the goal we have in mind is worth it. Living the Christian life has to be with rewards in mind. If, they do, if it isn't, you'll fail. If it isn't, you'll give up. Because it gets hard. But the hard is worth it because at the end there's a reward. You guys are in the men's home. Oh, <clears throat> you went in the men's home because it's Butlins, because it's really a nice place to be and you're just enjoying being there. And um, no. <laughs> you went into the men's home because you had a goal in mind. You wanted to be clean. And that's, why you met, that's why you're willing uh, to, to go through all that you have to go through in the men's home. Because you have a goal in mind, there's a reward at the end of it. Listen, there is a reward at the end of the Christian life, and we've got to get that in our minds. God wants to give you crowns. God wants you to rule with him. And it's based upon what you do in the here and now. This poor man, this poor servant, you know what his problem was? His problem was he just didn't do what he was told to do. His problem was he did the opposite. He took it, he put it in the drawer, and he left it there. You know what? That happens a lot amongst Christians. Yeah, praise God I'm saved. Praise God when it's all done, I'm going to glory. I'm not going to do anything about it because, you know, if, if, if I live for him right now, you know, that would cost me. And, you know, I, I, think I'll, I, I think I'll just hang in the background here and I won't do anything too strenuous because, uh, you know what, <clears throat> it, it, it just would be difficult and I, I could fail. No. Do something. Do anything. Let him lead in your life. You're a child of the living God with eternity in your soul. You're a person of destiny. Why? Because Jesus. That's why. Don't live your life just for the living. What a waste. What a terrible waste to live your life just for the living. Live for him. Live for eternity. Before you know it, you're going to step out of this world into, presence, into the presence of the lovely Lord Jesus. And there's going to be that, 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 that judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to stand there, and he's going to ask you what you've done for him. And again, don't get it wrong. Don't, 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 don't make a monster out of it. Oh, I'm not up for doing much. Listen, it's what have you done with what he gave you and what you have in this life, what have you done with that for him? What have you done with the gospel? What have you done with your finances? What have you done with your time? What have you done with your talents and your abilities? Do an inventory in your life. How much of my life is really given to him? And how much of my life is like this unfaithful servant just living? Not with him in mind, and not with rewards in mind. One final point here, right? 
the end of those who reject Jesus. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. And now, now what's he talking about there? He's talking about the Jews and all those people who rejected Jesus. And when he comes back, what happens is there's a judgment, the great white throne judgment, and all those people get slain, they get sent to hell. You see, that's pretty grim, Pastor. It is indeed grim. It's the grimmest thing anyone can imagine. But it's the truth. Jesus never lied. And when he told us that you know, people would be cast into hell, he meant it. You know, it's not very fashionable in 2022 to talk about people going to hell. But it's true. Because Jesus said. And you know what? If you reject Jesus, there is only one possibility for you. If you're listening online and you reject Jesus Christ, you say, no, I don't want that. I want to live my own life. I don't want him ruling in my life. There is only one place you can go. But if you bow your head and submit to him and say, Lord, I want you. You, may, you won't be perfect. None of us are. But there's something about that submission of your will, that yielding to him, that saying, Lord, I, I want you. That believing on him, that trusting on him, that changes everything. He accepts that and he makes you his child. He doesn't ask you to be perfect. He accepts that, Lord, I want you. And if you haven't done that, you need to do that. So a couple of questions as we close. First of all, have you submitted to Jesus in salvation? Have you come to that place where you've yielded him and said, Lord, I want this? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for someone to knock on your door with a better plan? There is no better plan. The Son of God came from heaven to hang on a cross and pay the price for your sin. And if you say no to him, there's nothing you can hope for except judgment. If you haven't trusted him, do it today. Call out to him today. Secondly, you're a believer, and you know you are. You know you're going to heaven. Have you made him Lord of your life? Or you like so many living your life like it's yours, paying lip service to him. Oh, yeah, you go to church because, you know what, that gives you a better life. Maybe even read your Bible because that's a good thing to do. But have you made him Lord of your life? Have you come to that place in your life where you have said, Lord, this life I'm living is not mine. It's yours. Lord, I want to do whatever you want for me to do. Have you come to that place where you've actually bowed your will to him and said, Lord, I want my life to be yours? Now, again, don't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't. But there's something about when the child of God comes and says, Lord, my life's not mine anymore. It's yours. I want you, I want you to show me what to do, and I will do it. There's something about that that changes everything. You stop living for you, and you stop living for now, and you start living for him. And in that day, there will be rewards. I'm counting on it. I hope you are too. I am counting on it. I am counting on rewards in that day. In that day, there will be rewards. But you know what? If you don't come to that place of surrender where you yield yourself to him, you'll watch other people getting their rewards. And you'll wish... Oh, I wish I had done it differently. Guess what? 
you're still living and breathing today, you can do it differently. You can say to him, Lord, I want you. And I want you to be Lord of my life. And I want to live for you. And you know what you can't do, he can. What you're not able to make happen, he can make happen. What he's looking for from you is a willingness, a yieldedness, a saying, yes, Lord, that's what I want. Would you do that? Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to pray for us. And then as Christine plays, you get a chance to talk to God. And would you do it? Would you tell him, Lord, I want to live for you, not me. I want my life to count for you and not just for me. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. And oh, Lord, may it help each one of us, Lord, to come to that place of surrender, of yielding to you. That one that's not saved, may they cry out to you right now. And oh, Lord, for those that are saved and that are yours, Lord, if they haven't yielded to you, if they haven't made you Lord of their lives, Lord, may they do it now. And oh, Lord, may we have a glorious day at that judgment seat, Lord, when we, when we receive the rewards, Lord. Not perfect beings, but rewarded because we did what you want us to do. Oh, Lord, bless. Be with us now in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.